He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here, the number one station at uh, 5 o'clock. And this is a TriCast, WABC 770 out of Midtown and WLIR out of Hamptons and 970 AM, The Answer. And in the studio with us, we have uh, uh, Judge uh, Weinberg, a common-sense Democrat, and two common-sense uh, Republicans, uh, former Congressman Peter King. That's it. And, Car- Carbonetti's not that. And he's, he's not common-sense, <laughs> Carbonetti. I try to have some sense. I don't know if it's common We call him or not. Chief. Tony Carbonetti, <laughs> former Chief of Staff to uh, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, and my sidekick, Lydia Serrano. Lydia, we have a great show today. Absolutely. We'll be speaking with uh, Senator Alphonse D'Amato, uh, Steve Forbes, of course, talking about that Fed hike. That's incredible. Uh, John DeVito of the ATF, Governor Rick Perry. We'll talk about oil, of course, and the plea that Biden is making to the oil companies. I mean, we'll talk about that. Anyway, on the line with us right now, uh, and of course, Congresswoman Marie Salazar. She's going to talk about George Soros trying to buy up a bunch of Hispanic radio stations. But first on the line, we have Michael Goodwin of the New York Post, Pulitzer Prize winning writer. His latest column, Democrats doomed by feeble Biden and weak batch of candidates behind him. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Michael Goodwin. Thank you, Lydia. Tell us, uh, you, you wrote an interesting article. I mean, is Biden going to survive this term? Forget about next term. <laughs> well, I think I think that's a real question, John. Uh, it it certainly is up in the air. I mean, the, you know, the 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 fact that, as according to the New York Times, that Democrats are secretly talking about this. Uh, the way I state it is, the Times has now given them permission to go public with it uh, by writing about it. So I think that. We're in the next few days and weeks. We're going to see exactly how strongly the Democrats feel about Biden. Uh, we know that uh, his poll. Look, this is all poll driven. I mean, his numbers are terrible, uh, and they're on the big issue of the economy. They are the worst of all. Something like twenty-eight percent approval on his performance of the economy. I mean, this is. This is awful stuff. You don't you don't get there by accident. Uh, that has to be your policies. That's a reflection on the policies. And it's a sense that I, I think if you watch the president, he doesn't inspire any confidence that he really has any answers. He gets angry. He blames other people. But that, to me, is a is a fool's errand that just makes you look weak. Uh, when you say that other people are to blame. And it's a very hard sell, I think, at that point, given how bad things are. It doesn't comfort people to know that the president believes he can't do anything about it. Michael, in your, uh, Michael this is Pete King. In your column today, uh, besides saying how weak Biden is, you also said the Democrats have a weak bench. But suppose they went with somebody like uh, Michelle Obama. Well, I think that's sort of an outside-the-box opportunity, Pete, and I think that uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey is another one like that, somebody who's not been in politics. Somebody wrote to me today and said, you know, think of it as that that would be the the shock to the system that that Trump provided on the other side. Uh, And I think there's some validity to that. Uh, The problem is neither one of those women have, have 
ever shown any real interest right. in doing it. They both said no repeatedly. So I think if you count on sort of a unicorn, you're probably not going to uh, be happy with the outcome. Because I think November is going to be a disaster for the Democrats. That election in Texas last night where the Mexican-born female took a seat that was a Democrat for 150 years, the last time the, in 2020 the congressional candidate Democrat won it by 26 points. So that, to me, is really uh, says a red wave is coming unless Republicans screw it up themselves. Yeah, and Mike, it's it's Richard Weinberg. I think uh, the congressman is absolutely correct. I think November is going to tell the story because if the Republicans do very well, the Democrats get trounced. You can see a lot of people abandoning the Biden ship. He's going to have a hard time governing in terms of getting people into administration, and people are going to be looking around to to replace him. That's going to be the momentum after that election. And Michael Goodwin, one of the View hosts, Sonny Hostin, she was saying she would like to see a Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg ticket. Oh my God, that's what she was saying. <laughs> so would I. Anybody who wants the Republicans in wants that. That's, see, that's I'm good. always here for the comic <laughs> relief. Yes, uh, look, I think that would be uh, a priceless ticket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's the problem, right? There's no bench. I mean, you as I said in the column, I think one of the interesting things is the Democrats had a succession plan. Hillary Clinton was going to follow Barack Obama. Uh, for she was going to have it for eight years, and there would be this new generation that would come along. So Trump screws that up by defeating Hillary in 16. Uh, Biden has to come out of retirement or coming out of his uh, big guy uh, relationship with Hunter Biden and uh, come back into politics. But as we see, he's too old. He's too enfeebled. He's he's too slow. And it's not working. So here we are in what would be the second uh the, the sort of the midpoint of the second Clinton term, and they have no bench. There's nowhere to go. I mean, I go through the names. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Harris and Buttigieg. Uh, uh, the, the senators, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar. I mean, is anybody pining for them? How about another Bernie Sanders run? Uh, anybody really want that? So I think that there is just this emptiness on the bench. But then I would just say quickly, too, that it's not just who, but it's what. And what does the Democratic Party stand for? I mean, that's another casualty of the Biden administration. When you look at the mish, the mashup of, of these very far left policies, he calls himself a moderate. But the number of radical things that his administration has put into the bloodstream, everything from uh, teaching CRT in schools, the whole transgender issue, uh, reparations has gotten new life. I mean, a lot of very, of course, the Green New Deal, very radical things that, uh, by and large, have been rejected by the public. So is the next Democratic candidate for president, or it, it will probably be many, but will the, the one who gets the nominee, will that be another centrist? Will, will, will there be a new generation of centrists coming back into the party? Uh, I know it's very hard to imagine. I mean, look how Joe Manchin is treated. Look how Kristen Sinema is treated uh, just by wanting to vote no on the monstrosity bill of the Build Back Better. So it's hard to see where this party goes uh, and who it would pick on the basis of policies. 
Well, Biden, you know, we all talk about his age, but Donald Trump would be what, like 78, 79. And my issue with Biden isn't his age. It's his policies. It's the fact that he opens our our borders and the gas prices and he's refusing to recognize what the real issue is, that with his first executive order, we're seeing this extraordinary inflation and we've he become caused, energy independent. problem. Absolutely. He did. And now he wants to blame the oil companies. What do you say, uh, Michael Goodwin? Oh, no question. I mean, he, as I say in the column, he's no Harry Truman. Uh, the buck doesn't stop with him. It always stops with somebody yeah. else, which I say, I think, is a, is a reflection of weakness. It, it says that I can't do anything. I'm, I'm helpless to help you. Uh, that is not an inspiring figure in the Oval Office. Uh, and, and in terms of his age, look, uh, it's not just the number. Right. It's it's it, you see him. You, yep. you look at a video of him five years ago. He's a changed man. There's something going on with him. And so, uh, look, I think one of the one of the secret weapons the Democrats have is, oh, the pr- president has taken sick and uh, we're going to have to uh, use the 25th Amendment or he's going to step aside temporarily or something for medication. You know, I mean, he it is, as, as John said in the in the opening, it is kind Kind of hard to imagine him finishing the next two years even. I he was never a leader. M- yeah. Michael, it's Tony Carbonetti. He, he was never a leader. He was never inspiring. Uh, but I, I think it even goes back to Obama when the, the whole democratic philosophy of uh, instead of Obama standing out there and saying, look at me, look at what I accomplished. It only happens here in America. He said it's the 1% versus the rest of us. Dig a ditch, put your hand out, and the government will come give you food because you can't do this. Only I can. You you understand what I'm saying? No one talks about the greatness of America. That's why Trump became inspiring. That's why now when we have high oil prices, high food prices, and like you said, no one's inspired by the president. The president's not saying, oh, okay, we'll listen to you and we'll get out of this. Right? Who's thinking that? Yeah, but there's a bigger story here, Michael, and that is that the Democratic establishment knew exactly what they had. That's why they hit him in the basement. They knew he was inept. They knew he was infirm, and yet they propagated this guy on the American people, and that's morally wrong. I don't even think the Democrats realize just how incompetent and inept he is, though. Well, somebody knew. they, The handlers knew. They kept him in the basement. what's happened the last not even two years has been catastrophic. Michael Goodwin, I mean, that's all you have to do is just go put fuel in your car. There was a, a report out of Ohio that they're limiting their police patrols because of the gas prices. Uh, I saw EMS workers. I mean, there's all these reports all over the country that people are choosing between buying groceries and buying gas. They can't find baby formula. They can't find feminine hygiene products. I mean, for Biden to get up there and say the economy has never been better, America has gotten better since he's gotten into office, does he think Americans are that stupid? Well, he must because uh, I mean, for real, real wages are falling, right? I mean, when you even if you got a five percent raise, if inflation is eight percent, nine percent, you're down three or four percent. I mean, you've lost money because of the inflation. So, yeah, he you would have to think that he can say these things, but it just there's no credibility. There's simply no credibility. I mean, uh, and we haven't. This to me is is fairly recent phenomenon. This is very unusual for the president of the United States to get up there and speak, and not just one side of the media poo-pooing it, but that to the common ear, it's not true. 
right? You don't need it. You don't even need fact checkers for the most part. It's just simply and obviously not true. I mean, he tells these stories about his own life. Right. I mean, that he was arrested in South Africa, right? That that, that that he started at Delaware State University, historically black. That he drove a big rig. He drove a big rig. That that he was. <laughs> You'd uh, imagine every elected official remembers when they get arrested, except maybe yeah. Bill De Blasio, because it happened so many times. But yeah. It's like corn pop, the whole corn pop saga that he talks about. So all of these things, I mean, we've never had a president like that. That just makes these things up. Or even worse, he can't remember. He doesn't remember his own life. I mean, this is pretty extraordinary stuff and at a very dangerous time. I mean, I, I, I keep harping on his comments about regime change in Russia, militarily defending Taiwan. Do we really want to have a nuclear war with Russia and China? I mean, is that and it's not even our policy. It's just things he says. Meanwhile, Michael Goodwin, we're our country is going downhill. We're transferring uh, the difference in in gasoline prices were trans- transferring, I think it's a half a billion dollars a year from the American pockets to wherever, wherever we're buying it from. And despite the sanctions, Russia's oil production has actually, it's soaring. So, yeah. I mean. And I, and I saw something, John, you would know about this, too, the question of fertilizer for food production. Uh, I mean, it's apparently the secretly we're, we're, we're encouraging the world to buy more Russian fertilizer. I mean, again, what was he thinking? I mean, it just it seems to be no thought. I mean, his relationship with Saudi Arabia, first he gives him the back of his hand because they're so close to Trump and they're making the deals with Israel. And now suddenly he's begging Saudi Arabia. Uh, it, it's, it's all a failure. Well, we're in deep doo-doo, and uh, I think we take one day at a time right now, Michael, and, uh, and uh, we, we are all concerned and, and uh, what's happening. Michael, Sal- uh, we got it? Michael Goodwin, Mike, thank you so much, thank you. and uh, thank you for all your wisdom, and I look forward to reading more of your columns. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thank you all.